All right, well, let's open with a word of prayer, and then let's dig into the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. As we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Well, we don't want the words of man, that's a waste of time. May the word of God go forth with power. We thank you for everyone who's here. None by chance, all by divine appointment. May you minister to every heart. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, as we're going through, we went through First and Second Peter. Uh, we're going to finish Second Peter next uh, week, Lord willing. But as we've been going First and Second Peter, remember that the church is enduring crushing outward persecution from the Roman government, including Caesar Nero. So there's great persecution for having a relationship with the Lord. It's a time when Christians are being fed to lions, being persecuted, being imprisoned because of their faith. So that was the focus of 1 Peter. 2 Peter speaks more not just about the outward persecution, but the inward corruption. That false teachers, even in the early church, were already arriving, already had their own agenda, and they were preaching a false gospel. And Peter's been exhorting them and encouraging them to know the truth so they won't fall for a lie. Amen? There's a reason why we study the Word of God. And then finally, there's an urgency in Peter's heart as his death is imminent. So we have a chapter and a half left, and these are Peter's kind of final words. And as, you know, when you sit with somebody and it's their final words, their words carry a heavier weight. And so we're going to see that as we continue this morning. So I titled the message, Empty Words and Simple Truth. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at Peter's warning to the church concerning false teachers, those who had crept in among them. They had the outward appearance of true believers, but at a closer look were only Christian posers who, whose outward appearance was not backed up by inward character. And while in the church and having positions of influence within the body were actually tools of the enemy, sent in to water down the truth of the gospel. So we deal with this still today. Fast forward 2,000 years, and we still have places that call themselves churches, but it doesn't look anything like the book of Acts. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. And there's so many churches today that are more into entertaining. They got more in common with maybe a, a nightclub than they do the church. And so Peter's writing this letter to encourage them that when this false teaching comes in, you guys have to hold the people teaching accountable. And the way you do that, you need to know what the word says. And that's why I'll never put the Bible words up on the screen. I want you to have your own Bible. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, they're on the back table, grab one. And if you don't have one at home, take that as our gift because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want you in the word. So as Peter's writing this letter, he began really getting strong in the last couple weeks the last couple of chapters that we've looked at, just about what false teachers do. Both the, the destiny and description of the ungodly false teachers, we looked at that last week, and these false prophets who preach, it's a man-centered gospel. Here's what all the false teachers do, and all the cults do. They make God less and man more. I happen to be watching something on TV right now, it's about the early Mormon church, and, and somebody confronts him about Brigham Young having 57 wives and Joseph Smith having 30 wives and how they had this revelation from God that it's okay to be a polygamist. Well, yeah, if you want a bunch of wives, I guess a revelation from God would help that. But the reality is that when you see a false prophet, they'll get these revelations that feed their fleshly desires, not God's glory. Amen. And you'll get these guys, it's the same thing with the name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it, word of faith doctrine, where you just claim something and you manifest it with your word. You create nothing with your words. God created everything with his word. Amen. You're not God, he is, amen? And this whole, you know, you can be rich and you just have to believe it and receive it. Again, that, that, that's a man-centered gospel. See, the false teachers always teach something that edifies man or allows man to live out his fleshly desires and feel good about it. So if you hear something like that, then you know that's not the Lord. Now, again, Jesus came and we might have life and life more abundant. And as Christians, we don't walk around with a wheelbarrow full of rules, you know, hitting ourselves with a board every five steps with heaven at the end, right? And a lot of people think as Christians, oh, if you give your life to Jesus, you're going to lose all the fun. No, we're going we're gonna to lose all that that brings harm and gain, gain all that that brings peace. Amen? And so these false teachers, we're going to look at them some more because they're in the text. 
We're going to contrast them. So grab your outline if you've got it. I titled Empty Words and Simple Truth. We're first going to see the empty words of false teachers. It's usually, again, a man-centered, fleshly, and feelings-driven message. I, if, by the way, if your pastor ever says, I feel, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Do your feelings lie to you? Yes. All day long. Amen? They lie to you. The word of God is true. It's not our feelings. It's what does God's word say? Amen? And that's why we have the problem we have in the world today. But I feel like I was born this way. Well, you were born sinner just like me. You're right. So amen to that. So we need to be born again, and we need to not be moved by our feelings, but led by the Lord. They tell people what they want to hear. You know, you can make a really big church if you just entertain well and do nothing but blow sunshine on everybody and tell them all how amazing and wonderful they are and how they're going to live their best life now. By the way, my best life is coming after this one's over. Amen. Heaven is better. They speak of private revelations from God that approve their flesh-driven behavior. Again, no revelation from God is private. What I mean by that is God doesn't come and tell you something to change all of Christianity that he hasn't written down already. Amen? And it's always some angel in the woods that they found or somebody showed up in a dream and told them some fleshly thing that contradicts the word of God. You know what you call that? A false prophet. Amen? I came here with some friends and I thought we were just going to, you know, <laughs> hey, the Bible rocks. Amen. Yeah. We want to know the truth. And then swollen words of great claims and grand promises, but no spiritual content. Every time we open up the word of God, we should be encouraged. We should be strengthened, but we also should be convicted. Amen. Because conviction is the way that the Lord disciplines us or the way the Lord draws us back into himself. And you will find the false teachers are often free of conviction or they're teaching a message that forces people to succumb to their authority and it's nothing but man-made conviction that doesn't come from God. So we're first going to see the empty words of false teachers and then praise God, he's going to follow up with the simple truth of God's word. The gospel is not that difficult. Amen? You were born a sinner. So I was born a sinner. Sin separates us from God. While we were yet sinners, Christ came to earth and suffered and died. He took all of our sin upon himself. And then he, at the cross, he said, it is finished. He paid the price in full that you could be redeemed and forgiven. And then he proved himself to be God on the third day when he rose from the dead. He has now ascended to the Father. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf. He gave you the Holy Spirit as a down payment on heaven. There's the gospel, amen? You don't need 500,000 know, pages. God makes it simple. So we have the simple truth of God's word. First of all, it needs to be taught, reminded, and exhorted. We need to be from God's word again and again and again. The enemy wants to bring confusion, to sow tares amongst the wheat, to draw you away from the truth. And knowing the truth keeps you from being desensitized to sin. There's so many progressive Christians today. And I call, you know what I call them? False prophets. Because here's what they'll say. Yeah, but God's word didn't really mean that in this area because that doesn't make sense to me. Or God doesn't really mean that with this, super, this sin over here because people feel good in that sin, so it must be okay. Well, sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, it leads to death. Amen? And the simple truth of God's word is we need to be reminded of what the word of God says over and over and over again. Another reason why your pastor is repetitive. Point B, we'll be scoffed at by those who walk in the flesh. When you stand for the Lord... The world's not going to like it. Now, sometimes the world, the world doesn't like us because we're being jerks. So don't be a jerk. Amen? Don't be a self-righteous Pharisee. Don't always point your finger at everybody else and be holier than thou. Again, we're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. We need to be humble and broken and recognize that by, therefore the grace of God is every one of us. Amen? That being said, we also need to recognize we will be mocked for our faith. We'll be scoffed at. They'll, they'll make fun of us as Christians. You know what? We see more of that in our country now than we've ever seen. But you know what? That means it's closer to Jesus coming back. Amen? See, there, it teaches us 
that the one who created the world will be the one to judge it. Boy, people love to judge us, and people love to judge each other, and sometimes we love to judge others. And here's the reality. The only judgment that matters is the Lord's. Amen? He will be the ultimate judge. He created us in his image, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? That means Muhammad is bowing to Jesus. Buddha's bowing to Jesus. Krishna's bowing to Jesus. Joseph Smith is bowing to Jesus. Amen? And praise God for that. And then finally, he desires that all would be saved. The Lord doesn't delight in anyone spending eternity separated from him. Matter of fact, it breaks his heart. He desires that none should perish, no, not one. And while he desires that none should perish, at the same time, he will not force us into salvation. He won't force you to be saved. Salvation is offered universally. It must be accepted individually. And you don't go to heaven because your parents are saved. God has no grandchildren. Every one of us has to come to our own relationship with the Lord. So let's begin there looking at empty words and the simple truth. First, the empty words of false teachers, beginning there in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. For when they speak... Great swelling words of emptiness. Boy, the Bible's awesome. (laughs) They speak great swelling words of nothing. They have these grand ways of speaking, and they they speak it so confidently, and they speak, you know, one of the words there that's used for swelling is great, grand, or bombastic. I like that. So they're bombastic. Have you ever noticed they'll even get a pattern and a rhythm and they'll start talking like this and start, and they get this whole thing going to stir your emotion. And you, if you go back and write down what they said, they said nothing. <laughs> they said nothing of value. They're trying to stir up emotion while their entire context of their message is empty. They use both words and patterns of speech that attempt to bring greater importance to themselves and their knowledge and education. You'll see this every once in a while. They'll have a five-year-old preaching at a church. You ever seen this? They'll bring him up and say, look, he's anointed. No, he's five. He should be in kindergarten class. <laughs> Amen? And all he's doing is mimicking this pattern and doing this stuff. And, and okay, it's kind of cute, but get him down off of there. Because here's the reality that, it, you know, it's the Spirit of God speaking through the men of God that are called of God. Amen? And too often we look for the show and we look for the, you know, the grand entrance. There's churches where the pastor's wife shows up 45 minutes late so she can come down the center aisle and have her entrance. Stop that already. Amen? <laughs> all that stuff's got to stop. It isn't about any of us. It's all about Him. We're all servants. Amen? And these swelling words and the word, they just often speak of their great illumination or private understanding. You know, flip through, I got a special word from the Lord today that no one's ever had. I already know that's a lie. If it's new, it's not true. Amen. We need to understand the 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. That's only possible because God wrote it. And we have plenty to to read here. We don't need the Kansas City prophets to come to town. I get that call. The Kansas City prophets are coming. Do you want them to come on a Sunday? No. I like the Jerusalem prophets. The Corinthian prophets. Amen? I like the word of God. It's sufficient. The word emptiness, while swollen with big words, great claims, and grand promises, is void of any real spiritual content. I remember when I was, we were in Santa Cruz and we were looking for a building for the church. Church had grown pretty large and we needed a facility. And I met with the owner of the facility and I'll never forget it because he was, he kind of was one of those guys, he was a CEO Christian, you know, Christmas and Easter only, one of those kind of guys. And he would go every once in a while and he'd say, you know why I don't go more? Because whenever I go, I just feel like they fed me mush. And do you know what mush is? It's grits without gravy, man. It's mush. It's, 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 it's the, the most bland tasteless. You know, they ate it on little rascals, right? Mush. And he said, when I go to church, I get nothing but mush. Like I'm there and I didn't get fed anything. I'm not growing at all. And he said, so I don't even want to go back because I'm not growing in the Lord. And you know what? That's what this is. They're feeding empty bowls of mush. There's nothing in it. You can't grow by eating it. It, You'll starve to death if that's all you have. And sadly, that's what false teachers do. 
They get people whipped up. They have them run out. They're going to be rich because they just gave their seed offering, right? And all these things to manipulate Almighty God, but they don't know the Lord. I want to say this to all of you this morning. Do you know about the Lord or do you know him? Is he your best friend? When you wake up in the morning, is he the first thing on your mind? And when you go to bed at night, the last thing that enters your mind. I mean, do you have intimate fellowship with him all day, every day? Are you married to Jesus? We're the bride of Christ. Amen? So we don't know about God. We know God. We have a relationship with God. And sadly, they speak their swelling words. A lot of empty mush in the church today. No meat, no power to transform, no Holy Spirit just the words of men. Notice what it says they do there. Notice what it says they do in verse 18. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So they're targeting those who have escaped ungodliness. Now they're fellowshipping at a local church, but here's what they do to draw them away. They feed their flesh. So, you know, hey, man, bro, you know, at our church, do you know if you come and you're a good Mormon, you can be God of your own planet? Really? I get to be God? That sounds pretty good. And by the way, you can have as many women as you want, and they'll all be serving you and doing nothing but making babies to populate your planet, and they'll all worship you. Wow, that sounds pretty good. And you're the total authority. You're, you're the presence of God on earth until you become God in heaven. And they also teach that the God of our planet used to be a man on another planet who was so God, good he got to be God of our planet. That is nonsense. That's a, car, that's a comic book, amen? It's false. But here's what they do. They feed your flesh. They, they tell you that if you come here, you'll get rich. If you come here, you can have all these wives. If you come here, you can be famous. You, and then all this stuff that they feed, and all that they feed is the stuff that is perishing, the very things that will destroy us. Amen? And that's what the enemy does. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. So he'll put it in a good package. The teacher might be very charismatic. They may have amazing worship. They may have all the, you know, a beautiful facility and facility and your kids, it's Disneyland and the children's ministry. And they have all this stuff that they do that seems so appealing to the flesh, but you walk away and you're not closer to God at all. And you've not been convicted at all because your flesh has been fed. The word allure there means to lay bait or to set a trap. Drawing people away from God's will to feeding their fleshly desires. Notice it says the lust of the flesh, promising the fulfillment of carnal appetites. Again, I was watching this thing on the early Mormon church, and they were saying how one of the guys finally speaks up. All these other, all their elders are there. You know, they, had, they think they have living prophets who speak the oracles of God. They've got all these other books that they add to the word of God because they say the word of God's filled with error. No, if you think the word of God's filled with error, you're filled with error. And sadly, what happens is the guy finally said, well, and he got, he got, he got uh, whatever you call it, excommunicated when he said it. He goes, to me like they just changed the, the, the word from God to do whatever it is that they wanted to do in their flesh and feel okay with it. And I went, there it is. There it is. Let me see, who do I want to follow? Jesus, the creator of the universe, humble before, all, uh, before uh, man, washed disciples' feet, loved, served, lived a sinless, perfect life, and then suffered and died in our place when he could have jumped off the cross anytime he wanted to, proved himself to be God, triumphed over sin and death, then ascended to the Father, now intercedes for us, or Joseph Smith, who was a fairy tale writer, who married 30 women, who had nothing but problems, would take other people's wives for his own, and died in a gunfight. Let me think about that for a second. And by the way, we can dig up his bones. People say, Pastor Dave, why are you picking on the Mormon church? Well, let's talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses too then. Okay. Now again, do we love all of them? What's the answer? And it's only by God's grace we haven't got caught up in that. Amen? And so when I meet them, my heart breaks for them. I'm not better than them. I'm not more self-righteous than them. I'm just thankful that by God's grace, that when he presented the truth to me and drew me by his Holy Spirit, I was able to respond. Amen? And praise God for that. But, but again, they teach that Jesus, Jehovah's Witnesses teach us that, teach that Jesus isn't God at all. They reject it. They deny his deity. The Hindus believe there's 30 million gods and Jesus isn't one of them. They have 30 million gods. How's that working out? 
Then you've got Buddhism, where Buddha said he didn't even know, he was trying to, trying to achieve nothingness. You know, we don't want nothingness. We're going to have everything in Christ in heaven one day. Amen? So the exhortation here is they lure them with lust of the flesh. It says they lure crowds. They wanted bread from Jesus, but they didn't want Jesus himself. It's most prevalent today, come to God and get rich. The word of faith and the prosperity doctrine, that feeds our fleshly desires. They turn God into a holy Santa Claus in the sky. That if you just give him stuff, he has to give it back to you. If you tell him, he has to do it. Aren't you glad that God doesn't have to listen to us? Aren't you glad that he doesn't follow our commands? What a nightmare this place would be. I'm so thankful that we, we don't pray to change God's mind. We pray to change our hearts, to knit our hearts to his. We come home, Lord, I, your will, not my will, thy will be done. Amen? That was the prayer of our Savior. That should be our prayer as well. Notice it also says there through lewdness, teaching that if, if it feels good, do it. There's these guys called the Gnostics that believed that your spirit and your flesh were separated from each other, and you could do anything you wanted in your flesh because your spirit was saved, but your flesh wasn't. Again, that sounds like a false teacher who's preaching a gospel, a doctrine that lets him do what he wants. Instead of deny himself, take up the cross and follow me, it's do what your flesh wants to do. God wouldn't give you such feelings and expect you to, the, to ignore them. Yes, yes, and yes, amen? Because those feelings come from sinful men and women like us. We're sinners. Our feelings, again, often lie to us. The gospel is not a message of moral relativism. It's a, it's a message of absolute truth. You know, the problem with you Christians, you act like everything's black and white. You know what? The whole Bible is written in black and white with some red in there. Amen? And it's black and white. The truth is the truth. Two plus two is four every single time. There are only two genders every single time. God created the heavens and earth in seven days every single time. And anything taught contrary to that is a lie. Amen? Let the word be true and every man a liar. Your feelings lie. Sin is a choice. We need not false prophets in pulpits preaching man-centered, flesh-driven, empty messages, but bold and uncompromising proclaimers of truth, a Christ-centered message, and man needs for brokenness, surrender, and repentance. You know what, people, a lot of pastors won't preach that because they think they'll lose the crowd. Well, you need to lose that crowd. We're not called to entertain crowds, but to make disciples. Amen? A disciple is a learner. My prayer is that when you leave here, you know the Lord better and you love his word more. And to know him better is to love him more. Amen? To spend time in his presence, to be challenged by the word of God. Notice what it says there. Those, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. They're targeting those who've come to know the truth. They're trying to draw them away. If the enemy can't keep you from being saved, he will do all he can to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. If he can't destroy you, he will try to distract you or even worse yet, disqualify you. So what he'll try to do is to get you so focused and please don't take this wrong. You can be so focused on politics that you don't witness to anybody for a year. But you invite him to 500 political rallies. Look, Donald Trump is not the savior. Jesus Christ is. Amen? And I vote biblically. And we should vote. And we should do all of that. But guys, guess what? When we get to heaven, he's, Jesus Christ is going to be on the throne. And by the way, there's a day coming when we're going to rule and reign with him on the earth for a thousand years, seeing what the world would be like with Jesus as king. Amen? And you know why we get all flustered and frustrated? Because we look at the world around us and ungodly people vote for ungodly people. So we have ungodly people in office doing ungodly things. And we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? So what do we do? Let's stand for the Lord. Let's, let's love everybody. Let's, hey, you, you know what? You can actually love people who disagree with you politically. You can love them. You can share Jesus with them. Amen. We're too busy winning arguments. I want to win people. Amen. Only thing we're taking to heaven with this is people. So again, these fa false teachers, they draw them away. The enemy wants to make you ineffective for the kingdom of God. They're great orders that say nothing. My dad used to call them windbags. 
He's just a nothing but a windbag. That means they just blow a lot of hot air and they say nothing. The charismatic delivery of a contentless message, no spiritual content, but fleshly content that attempts to lure people back into their old fleshly ways. Verse 19, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. They promise liberty through fleshly indulgence leads not to freedom, but to bondage. Doesn't your flesh tell you, just do this and get it out of your system? Has anybody ever had that go through their mind once in their life? Raise your hand. Okay. The enemy lies to you. If you just do this, just, you know, you got to sow your wild oats. You got you to go out and try this stuff. You know, you just need to experience it one time and get it out of your system. What a lie of the devil. Amen? They're trying to lead people back into bondage by saying, just indulge yourself. And the reality is when you indulge yourself, sin... Uh, is, is pleasurable for a season, but in the end it leads to death and your flesh will never be satisfied. When you feed your flesh, it doesn't get satisfied. It just gets bigger and wants more. Amen? This is a while ago, but they interviewed a bunch of men on death row, all who had, almost all of them who had murdered women. And every one of them said they all started the same way with pornography. So they fed their flesh, and then that pornography, maybe in a magazine, then it became a video, then it became torturous pornography, then they had to go out and do it in real life, maybe with prostitutes, and then before you know it, they treat one. And so, it's, it's, so you're, you feed your flesh, and what happens? It gets worse. Amen? We need to put our flesh to death. Amen? Deny what the flesh wants. When temptation comes, make the, take the way of escape. True freedom is not liberty to sin, but deliverance from sin that only Jesus can give us. Amen? Let me say that again. True freedom is not liberty to sin, but deliverance from sin that, uh, that only Jesus can give us. We're all serving somebody. Right? Bob Dylan. Got to serve somebody. Right? I mean, it might be the devil. It might be the Lord. So who are you serving? Right? We're all serving somebody. And we need to be serving the Lord. Amen? Smooth-talking men who, with grand and pompous words, are slaves to sin and depravity. You don't want to be taught by somebody who's living a life of just rebellion against God and sin and depravity. Now I'm going to get in a lot of trouble, but hey, here we go. You don't need a mentor who doesn't know Jesus. Oh, people got mad. Well, that's my mentor. I follow... Well, if he's not following Jesus, you're following in the wrong direction. Amen? We need people in our lives who love Jesus. Amen? Who are filled with the spirit of the living God. We don't need counsel from corpses. Amen? They're spiritually dead. If you go to the morgue seeking counsel, I'm worried about you. And the same is true. And we'll have people that, oh, I'm going to miss church for the next four months because I'm traveling with this guru. What? I'm traveling with this positive guy who's, he builds people's careers. You know what? I want to build the kingdom. May God be glorified. Amen? You know I love you. But because I love you, I must speak the truth. Amen? It says, by him he is also brought into bondage. And being overcome by the flesh and false teachers, they become slaves of both. They begin following they, they trade the truth to follow the lie. And so tragic, because it says there at the end of there, by whom the person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. So we're either slaves of sin or we're slaves to Christ. Amen? So we're all slaves. Who's your master? Who are you following? Verse 20. It says there, For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Boy, that's a heavy verse. So they've tasted the truth, the parable of the sower, right? You guys know the parable of the sower? The seed is sown by the farmer. It goes out and you know, the part of it falls on hard ground and it just never takes any root and the birds come along and eat it up or dries up in the sun. Then some go into shallow ground, but they never really take any root. There's no real growth. And then some begin to grow and they're, they're choked off by the thorns. And then finally, there's a fourth group of seeds that actually produces a, a plant and it bears much fruit. 
And so the first three are all that have had exposure to, now notice seed in the Bible is always the word of God and it's not money. Amen. So a seed offering would be a word of God, the word of God. Amen. So it says, so the seed, the word of God, they've been exposed to it, but some just didn't want anything to do with it. Some received it for a moment, but it never took root. Some of it started growing in it, but they got choked off by the things of the world. And then there's others who actually grow in it. Their lives bear fruit because they've been truly born again. Amen. And so the exhortation here is that, look, if you've been exposed to it and then you wander away from it, and choose not to walk in it anymore, where you are now is, is worse than where you were when you started. Because you were exposed to the truth and you rejected it. You were given the simplicity of the gospel and you may have walked in it for a moment, but eventually you walked away from it. It's tragic. It's heartbreaking. Notice the, talks, talk, the word there is, there's a word there, pollutions. It says they have escaped the pollutions. Again, the pollutions there are in effect you know, things that pollute or defile. The word used uh, that proceed from a person infected with a contagious or dangerous disease. So we thought the disease we needed to be worried about was COVID when the real disease is sin. Amen? Amen? And again, we get caught up in things that are temporal. We need to be focused on that which is eternal. As Christians, hanging out with the dead only will pollute us. Now, we should minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. We're not called to go sit on a mountain and contemplate our navel and chant and stay away from the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We're called to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. Again, we want the boat in the water, but no water in the boat. Amen? So we minister to the world. And God's called us to do that, but we should not allow ourselves to be polluted by the things of the world. Again, hanging out with the dead only pollutes us. Imitating their behavior infects us. Now, let's be transparent, everybody. You ever get in a conversation with a bunch of people, coworkers or neighbors, and they're talking about something, and it's, and it's not necessarily like just patented evil, but they're all whipped up about it, and before you know it, you're thinking about it. This happens often around my office, or talking about the stock market or something, and oh, I bought this stock, went up 400%, really, well. and before you know it, you're caught up in this greed game, Amen. Oh man, I need to move all my stuff around. I need to, you know, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise with God's resources. We should, but our, but our joy and our hope doesn't come from our bank account. It comes from our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Verse 21, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, turned away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Is this speaking of people that lose their salvation? He speaks of those who escaped the pollution of the world. He speaks of those who did through the knowledge of the Lord of Jesus Christ escape it. He speaks of those who have known the way of righteousness. It's certainly true that they may appear saved, but in the end, they did not endure, but turned from the truth. So can you lose your salvation? I don't believe that you can. And I have people that I respect who do believe that you can. I don't believe you can, because here's what I believe. I believe now, I believe that those who are truly saved will endure. But I believe that we will endure because we're saved. We're not saved because we endure. Does that make sense? See, it's not because we do good works that we're saved. It's because we're saved that we do good works. So the works don't save us and the enduring doesn't save us. It's fruit that we truly are saved. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We're, we're, we're not sinless, but we should sin less. Amen? But as believers, if we walk away from the Lord and we curse his name, I'd have disagreement with some pastors and maybe even with you, but here's what I would say. What I would say is this, I don't believe they were ever saved. I believe that they were exposed to it. I believe they were, you know, one of those other, you know, three seeds that were implanted in the ground, but their lives never really bore fruit and they never really knew the Lord. Because how do we know that? Because the Bible says that he adopts us into his family. And when you're adopted, they can't disown you. Amen. And he writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible tells us. So if my name's in the book and he's adopted me into his family, I'm his, I'm his son, and no one can ever take me away from him. Amen? Now, at the same time, I could be a Christian poser. I can pretend to be a Christian. I can do all that. Maybe it's, I'm attracted to a girl, so I pretend to be a Christian, go to her church. Maybe if my friends go there, so I just go there. Maybe they've got good meat, whatever. And you go, but they've never surrendered their life to the Lord. Maybe one of you is that person today. You've been coming, but you don't really know the Lord. You know about him. We've got to go past from knowing about him to knowing him. Amen? So abiding in him, verse 22, 
It says, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog always returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Boy, the word of God. Is there anything that makes you want to up Chuck more? I've seen this. Where a dog barfs and then starts eating it. Who's ever seen that? Oh, my word. And you, you know, you, you just get in that. <clears throat> Lord, help. But what a great picture of somebody who proclaims to know the Lord, who's gotten rid of that, and then runs back and starts eating it again. And here's the reality. Even as Christians, we can, can, do we have times as Christians where we, where we have moments of rebellion? What's the answer? Yeah, all of us. And so it doesn't mean that, you know, just because you went back to something you used to do that you've lost your salvation. But here's the, here's the key to all of this. How do you feel when you go back to your sin? And I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you convicted? See, when you did it before you were saved, you felt, man, we had a party last night. It was awesome, man. We all got ripped. It was great. You brag about it. Those are good old days. Puking in the gutter. A lot of fun, right? But the difference is you give your life to the Lord and now you, you hang around somebody and you go do that and you come home and you're asking God to forgive you. And you're on your knees saying, Lord, why did I do that? The enemy drew you away. Amen? See, there's a difference. And, and, and you know, I, I look at this pig. It's, you know, can you imagine if you had a baby pig and you pulled it out of the, the mire and you spent hours washing it and cleaning it and throwing a little perfume on that thing and cleaning it up, put a little bow on it and making it look all sweet. And you set it down and it runs, jumps the fence right back into the mud. And that's what it's talking about here. We've been cleansed by the Lord. Why would we run back into the mud? And sadly, that's what happens to those who truly don't know the Lord, or, or can happen for a moment if we know the Lord, but we're, we're disgusted by it. Rather than turn back from it, they go back to their old way of life again. The Christian returning to the world's pollution, the pig rolling in the slop. It's a picture of a child of God cleansed by God jumping back into the mud. And you know what? And you're, it's never a place where there's any peace, where there's any joy. It's a place that brings grief to your heart. Guys, may we never go back to it. You know what? When you're born again, you feel different in the slop. Amen? When you're surrounded by it or you're in the midst of it, you want to be cleansed of it. You don't want any part of it. Get me out of here. I don't want any part of this. I shared this with you guys before that when I was in high school, I, I worked at a uh, place called, now this will age me, Music Land. They had these big, big things like this. You put on a thing and it went around and you played music that way. They called them albums. <laughs> and I worked in a music store and I had hundreds of albums. And I remember going to a concert with like eight of my Christian friends. And, you know, and, and, and the music's playing, and at one point, the guy goes, we're going to record this for our next album. Who here likes to get blanking high? And everybody's holding their bongs up and going, ah, and you got the lighters on, and I'm like, I'm in hell. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. We had two cars. I looked at my friends. I'm like, dude, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. I went home, got all my 200 albums. I should have broke them. I took them over to my buddy's house, left them on his front doorstep. And now this, all I had left was Love Song, <laughs> Second Chapter of Acts, Amy Grant, and you got to serve somebody. That's what I had left. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I got to get rid of all this stuff, all this stuff that feeds our flesh, but only brings destruction. Amen. So empty words of false teachers, man-centered, telling people what they want to hear, speak of private revelations to approve flesh-driven behavior, swollen words, great claims, grand promises, void of any real spiritual content. Now let's go to chapter three, the simple truth of God's word. After listening to all this, don't you want to get out of the mud of this chapter and get into the clean? Don't you want to take a shower right about now? We just read all that like, okay, enough of that. Tell me something good. Tell me something else. We've been warned about the mud. I don't want any part of it. And look what it says. I love this. It says here in verse 1, chapter 3. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds 
by the way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Hey, beloved, I want to take you away from all that false teaching. I want to get you away from all that bombastic, you know, words of charismatic that have no, that are feeding your flesh or drawing you away from God. I want to draw you back to the Lord and his way. Peter, though he knows that those to whom he is writing this letter are pure, that have a heart for God, he must still be faithful to remind them of the warnings and truths already delivered to them in God's word, that they might remain faithful He's given them words of the holy prophets, that's the Old Testament, and the New Testament truths delivered to us by those who follow Jesus. Notice the false prophets have fleshly, flowery words that tickle ears, that feed the flesh, that draw people unto themselves. But the faithful teacher reminds them again and again and teaches them and exhorts them concerning the whole counsel of God. I did some math this morning. I don't know why I do this to myself, but I did. And we are, uh, we're getting very close to the end of the, uh, the new, in about, about two months, we're going to be in Revelation. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? And then we're going to finish the New Testament. I wish I could say we were close at the Old Testament, but we're about a third of the way through and it's taken nine years. So at that pace, I'm going to be 80 when we finish the Old Testament. We're going to have to pick up the pace a little bit, I think. And we will. But nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. And we need to be reminded again and again of what the Word of God says. Amen? Amen. I love to hear the gospel preached. Do you? I will flip by and I'll see an old Billy Graham and I'll stop. And I'll watch it and I'll hear it. I'm already saved, but I still love to hear it again. Amen? It excites my heart and encourages my soul. He said, I'm going to be faithful to remind you concerning the whole counsel of God, not just what's popular, what you want to hear, teaching the whole truth that you might recognize the lie. He says, beloved. He says, see, that's the difference. The false teacher doesn't care about the sheep. Wolves don't care about the sheep. They devour the sheep. They see sheep as a way of enriching themselves. You know what a shepherd does? He sees the sheep as those that God has called him to love and serve and lay down his life for. And he loves the sheep. And Peter's saying, beloved, I love you guys. And I want to remind you again, this is what we need to remember. Wherever God is moving and doing work by his spirit, sowing good and faithful seed, the enemy is attempting to bring confusion, to sow tares among the wheat. From the Garden of Eden to the present day, it has always been this way, and we must be discerning. There's always going to be people that the enemy will bring into your life that bring you a new revelation. I've got someone related to me right now that's all caught up in in an end times a position that some people have. It's called amillennialism. They literally believe we're in the millennial reign right now, that Satan is chained, and everything that the book of Revelation said took place in AD 70. Uh, and there's a bunch of people that believe that, and they love to talk about it all the time. And I get the phone calls from them. Well, pastor, if you're listening, bro, the book was written in 95 AD. Game over. It couldn't happen in AD 70. He's talking future sense. It was written in 95 AD. Stop. And Satan's chained. If Satan's chained, he's on an awful long chain. Amen. Amen. And I haven't seen any lions laying down with lambs or kids playing by the viper's nest like it says in Revelation. And when, would, when did a third of the world's population die in a single day? When did that happen? And when did the, the, the sun turn? Stop it. Now, again, they're believers. We love them. But it changes the way you look at everything. Because they think we're in the millennial kingdom. And we should subdue and conquer the earth. No, I don't want the earth. I want heaven. I want to pre- share with people the hope that lives within us. We need to be discerning. Properly identifying false teaching that can come in. And again, in this case, they're not, it doesn't, they're not losing their salvation, but it's distracting them from what's important. If every phone conversation you have is about one pet theology, you need to expand things a little bit. Can I get amen to that? If all you want to talk about is this, and I get, and I get, I meet them all, I'm the pastor, so believe me, I get it. I get the, I've got people, I got 20 people sending me emails saying the world's flat. And there's probably one or two of you in here that think the world's flat. He looked down upon the circumference of the earth. Game over. Amen? Circumference is a circle. Can I get an amen to that? 
But this is what happens, and people get so caught up in it. But this is what's true. No, how about we read this? Don't get distracted. Don't take your eyes off the word of God. They will be scoffed at by those. Look at verse three and four. Knowing that first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as from the beginning of creation. Has anybody ever said that to you before? Well, the Christians have been talking about Jesus coming back for 2,000 years, and he's not here. Anybody ever heard that besides me? They were talking about it after it had been 70 years. Well, Peter, they've been talking about this. Where is he? Let me encourage you with something. The Bible says to the Lord, a day is to a thousand years as a thousand years is to a day. So in God's timing, it's been a weekend since he was here. Amen? It's been a brief amount of time compared to eternity. And praise God that we're 2,000 years closer to Jesus coming back. Notice it says in the last days. I love these words. Things are not going to go on like this forever. Can I get an amen to that? Day coming when God will come again and bring all an end to man's open rebellion, receive his bride into himself, establish righteousness upon the earth. And as Christians, we should live in anticipation of the rapture of the church with the knowledge that this return is only, uh, the, the, his return is the only fine. There's no more prerequisites. Nothing else needs to happen. You know, there's only one thing that needs to happen for Jesus to come back. It's referred to in the Bible as the fullness of the Gentiles. It's when that last Gentile get saved. Now, we want Jesus to come back, but aren't you glad he waited till after you got saved? So this is God's grace that he's waiting. Amen? He's enduring all this nonsense far more than we are. He's almighty God who created it. It breaks his heart, but he's enduring it. for one. I'm, th- I'm thankful he waited. I got saved in 1968 in Mrs. Green Sunday School class. I'm glad he waited. My wife got saved in 1987 in my, my parents' uh, kitchen. I'm glad he waited. All four of my kids have given their life to the Lord. I'm glad he waited. Amen? And you know what? Here's the reality. If you're not saved here today, you might be the only reason we're still here. So, <laughs> so you might, you know, let's just get this over with today. We could just go hang out with Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Scoffers will come. Now, oh, Jesus come back. I've heard that before. Uh, have we seen things that happened like that in the past where people mocked? Noah. Amen. I know a guy. Noah, right? <laughs> Noah, 120 years building a boat when it had never rained. And all he got was mocked for 120 years. And he kept obeying God even though he was being mocked. And then when the door shut and the water saw falling from the sky, uh, the, those who mocked him were running to the ark and it was too late. There are going to be people that mock the coming of our Savior. We just need to keep reminding them again and again of the truth of God's word. Scoffers will come in the last days. They scoff, they scoff at coming judgment. Here's the other thing I hear, and, and it's sad. I talked to somebody recently, and he said, he just said, well, I don't believe in God necessarily, but there, if, if there is a God, I'm going to be okay because I'm a good guy. And the reality is I get it because may, maybe you are good compared to other people, but God doesn't grade on a curve. He grades at the cross. Amen? It's not how good you are compared to other people. It's how do you compare to Jesus Christ. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And all means all. Amen? But he just kept saying, well, if there is a God, then he'll let me in. And I say, why? Why? Well, I'm a good man. Define that. Well, you know, I, I don't kill people. I'm like, wow, anybody who doesn't kill people gets into heaven. That's pretty sweet. What? No, I, well, I, 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 you know, I, I help my neighbor. I, I let people in traffic. I said, I'm sure there's a verse in the Bible. Let people in traffic, you're going to have, it's not in the Bible. <laughs> and we have this mentality because here's what we don't want to believe. We don't believe, we don't want to believe that God will judge our sin. But the word of God tells us that he must Not that he will, but that he must. See, he's a holy, loving, and merciful God, but he's also a righteous God. And because he is holy and perfect, he can't have one sin in heaven or he's got earth part two. And so there can be no sin in heaven. How many sinners we got in the room? Hands not up. You're a liar and a sinner. Amen. (laughs) So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God can't have one sin in heaven. We've got a problem. And me, you know, mowing my neighbor's lawn is not going to cover up my sin. Me giving to charity is not going to cover up my neighbor's sin. 
Being, being better than Adolf Hitler is not going to cover up my sin. You know what? The only thing that can wash away my sin is the blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And only through him can we be redeemed. Notice it says that they're walking according to their own lusts. They reject the teaching of holiness and coming judgment because they do not want to repent for their sin. Why do people want us to agree that their sin is okay? Have you ever noticed that? They don't just, they don't just say, well, we want to be able to do this, but we want you to agree that it's good. Amen? Marriage. One man, one woman, Bible says so. No, we want to be married. Well, I don't understand why you want to be married because it's a biblical and God-driven, uh, uh, you know, creation, not man-driven. It has nothing to do with the government, everything to do with the Bible. Why do you want to agree with the Bible in this one area except reject it in every other one? But the sad part is that they'll say, not only do they want to be married, contrary to the word of God, now they want you to sanctify it. I've had many people call me wanting me to do a homosexual wedding. No. I'll have, I'm happy to meet with you. I love you. I will pray for you. I will talk to you. I will share the Bible with you. And there's no way I'm doing your wedding. Well, we're going to call the police. Feel free. You want me to condone what is ungodly. Whom shall we obey, God or man? We obey God. Amen? But this is how your friends want you. You know what? Your friends want you to go sin with them because they know you're a Christian and they'll feel better about their sin if they see the Christian sinning with them. Amen? They want to draw you back into it. See, I knew he wasn't. I knew she wasn't. Look, they want you to participate. And again, not that we're sinless, but we should sin less and we should have a different view on sin. Amen? Don't want anyone to tell them that their behavior is wrong or they will be judged for it. Oh, you just, you just hurt my feelings. Your feelings need to be hurt because you're a stinking ball sinner just like me. Amen? They, oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Our feelings lie to us. They need to be heard. Amen? Want to be per- Somebody say, oh, I've never been persecuted. I've never known persecution. You're not sharing your faith enough. But let me just tell you this. You want to get persecuted? Here we go. Go and tell someone that their perversion is wrong and they will be judged by Almighty God unless they repent. See how that goes. Just walk up to anybody, whatever that behavior is. Hey, by the way, bro, your judgment is a sin and you're going to stand before Almighty God if you don't repent. Going to need a dentist, right? (laughs) But the reality is, by the way, we should never do it with that tone. Amen. We don't want to be the self-righteous jerk. But we need to love people enough. I was talking to a friend of mine I hadn't talked to in 15 years. And I just said to him on the phone, I said, bro, I said, I love you enough that I know I might offend you right now, but I'm just going to do it anyway. He's like, go ahead, Dave. I said, bro, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Well, I'm 90% sure. I said, well, if you're 90% sure, you're not sure. Amen? And I said, bro, I love you enough. I want to tell you how to give your life to the Lord. And he's like, well, Dave, I, pre-, I said, look, look, I, if it offends you, you need to be offended. But I'm doing this because I love you. He goes, Dave, I know that you love me. I said, I love you. I said, let me tell you right now, and I mean this with my whole heart. If me dying right now would mean you would go to heaven, I would sign up for it. I love you and I care about you. I said, I want to make sure you understand how to get saved. Now, if we deliver it that way, some people are going to get upset. But guys, doesn't that come from a heart of love? Amen. And we're hanging up the phone. He's telling me he loves me. And he said, yeah, you know, I'm going to try to go to church this week. So there's a great church near your house. I'm a desk dope. Damien College, a pastor. You should go over there. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'll do that. I'll take my wife. I'm going to call you on Monday and find out. A little accountability. Can I get amen? So we can share people all difficult things, but do it in love always. Amen? But people focus on immediate gratification. We do too sometimes. Amen? Rather than eternal consequences, people scoff because they love darkness and their evil deeds. Don't want the light of the truth to be shined on their lives. Again, if you want to get some people mad at you, take a halogen light into a bar at 1.30 in the morning. Walk in there with some halogen lights off the top of your truck. Bang! I mean, everybody in the room, I mean, you know, have you ever noticed how a lot of those places are always really dark? Sin takes place a lot in darkness. People scoff because they love darkness. Go home. I don't have time to do it, but read John 3.16 and keep reading. 
Read at least down to verse 21, 22. It's not just for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. But then you go down a few more verses and it says, basically paraphrase, that they reject the truth because they love the darkness rather than the light. They love the darkness. And you know what? As believers, if you walk in the room, you just brought a halogen light. Let's finish up. Verse five. It says, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. It says there, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. And in these few verses here, he speaks of the creation and the, that, that our God is the creator earth coming up out of the water. Behold, the earth's formation of the lands and the seas and the ocean God spoke it into existence. But then he also speaks in the next verse of God's righteous judgment. So God created it. God created us to have intimate fellowship with him. Man went in rebellion against God. God gave them hundreds of years to repent. They refused. So God brought righteous judgment, but delivered a remnant, Noah's family out when judgment came. That's right there in two verses. It's creation comes from God and the righteous judgment of God. Again, it teaches us that the creator, the one who created the world, is the one who will judge the world. After the flood, God gave us a sign of his promise that he would never flood the earth again. What's that sign? Now, how rebellious and, and shaking your fist at God must you be to use the rainbow to symbol one of the very sins that the rain wiped out. That's tragic, isn't it? God's not going to judge the world by flood this time, but guess what? He's going to judge it by fire, the Bible tells us. God is going to judge the earth is only by his grace that we haven't been judged already. You know, the greatest concern today isn't Russia or Taliban or the government. You know what it is? It's a righteous judgment of God. Amen? And praise God that we know that we'll be delivered from it. And I'm so thankful for that. We serve a gracious God. Verse seven, it says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. You know what it says there? The heavens and the earth are preserved by the what? Same what? The word of God spoke the world into existence and it's the word of God that holds it all together. And Jesus is the word, Amen. He holds it all together. We follow the science. I follow omniscience, all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God. Amen? He is the truth. He holds it all together. If you think this happened by random chance, you're just stupid. <laughs> Amen? You know what it is? You just want an excuse to keep sinning. Because the only reason people don't want to believe in a creator, if they believe in a creator, then, then they have to believe that, that he, you know, if they believe in creation, they got to believe in a creator. If they believe in a creator, they got to believe in right and wrong. They don't want to do that. So they'd rather believe it went from the goo to the zoo to you by accident, and that we're all just evolved from amoeba and then monkeys, and then, and then we shouldn't be surprised when everybody acts like one and we tell them that's what they came from. Amen? What a lie. And the world propagates it. They're teaching it in our schools to our kids. They're teaching it to our cool. Random chance, it got hot and cold and lightning hit a puddle and the thing crawled out and scratched a freckle and grew an eye. Stop it! <laughs> Proclaiming to be wise, they become as fools. It's foolishness. Nauseating. I got suspended in high school and I got a high fry from my dad at the same time. I had biology, Mr. Bellardello, never forget it. And he was teaching evolution and he was teaching and evolution, the science, of, I said, theory of, from the back of the room. <laughs> he did not like that. I said, it's a theory. It's not a fact. Oh, it's a known fact. No, it's not a fact. Show me scientifically that it's a fact. Prove it to me. Well, you know, a science is show. No, it's a theory. So he'd say, well, theory up, Mr. Johnston. If you don't stop that, you're going to the principal's office. I said, say theory up, we won't have any more problems. <laughs> You're preaching a fairy tale like it's the truth. That's it. Get to the office. So I go to the office. 
They call my dad. He comes down to the office. They tell him, we're suspending your son for three days. Why? Theory up. And he, my dad says, high five. I'm taking him to Disneyland. Let's go. <laughs> the reality is, the reality is that we're taught lies all the time. Amen. Watch the news, right? We're taught, <laughs> we're taught lies all the time. And the only way we can recognize the lie is if we know the truth. And this is the truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. Last two verses. If I go a couple minutes over, we're going to heaven. Amen? Verse 8 and 9. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is to a thousand years, and a thousand years is to one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. There he tells us why he's waiting. Because sometimes we look at the world and we think, Lord, why don't you just come? Anybody thought that besides me? Lord, why don't you just come? You know why he hasn't come yet? He's waiting for those who are going to come to repentance. And guys, it's worth the wait. Amen? So we have to stay here longer and be salt and light to the world longer. A day is to a thousand years. It's been six days. It's pretty amazing. Think about that for a moment. I'll close with this. From, from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years. From Jesus to us, 2,000 years. He made heavens and earth in how many days? Six days. And the seventh day he rested. Guess what? There's a Sabbath day coming when we will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. According to that clock, we're six days in and we're entering into the Sabbath. Amen? Praise the Lord. We don't, no man knows the day or the hour, but boy, it's rapture season. Amen? I know, I, did anybody else just think of rabbit season, duck season? Yeah. It's rapture season. Amen? The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. You know, the Lord knew that all this would take place, and that, that should help us. Because when we, you know, when we drive home and gas is seven bucks a gallon and, and all this nonsense is going on and the whole transgenderism, all this other, all these things that are going on in the world around us and the wars and rumors of war, all that's in the Bible. And God knew it was all coming. And God's not worried about any of it. He's waiting for those to be saved. So we should only have one focus in the middle of all of this. It's to see people saved. Amen to love people enough to share the hope that lies within us. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Again, it's God's grace and by his grace alone that we are saved. Again, he desires that none perish, it says at the end there. You know what that means? He wants everyone to be saved. Now, at the same time, that means he offers salvation to everyone. It's offered universally, but it must be accepted individually. God is not gonna put you into a headlock and drag you to heaven. He's not gonna do that. But he wants you. And he, he proposed to you like this, didn't he? On the cross of Calvary. And he, he'd rather die than live without you. And the enemy wants you to get caught up in the things of the world. He proved it by, put, Almighty God proved it by putting his son between you and hell. To get to hell, you have to run over the cross of Calvary to get there and reject it must walk over the redeeming sacrifice of our Savior. The word Hebrew there in Hebrew is trod underfoot the preciousness of his blood. They count his blood as nothing, as common, valueless death of no importance for man and woman to end up in hell. Salvation offered universally, again, must be accepted individually. You know, here's my heart, and I'm gonna... If you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord... I want you to know, first of all, that the Lord loves you. And he loves you far beyond anything you will ever be able to comprehend. And I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know that everybody in here that knows the Lord wants you to know the Lord too, because we know what joy it is, what a blessing it is, what peace comes from, the, from knowing the true and living God. Amen? And I, and I look, I'm going to ask you some direct questions as we close. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I believe, I know that he had you here this morning, that you're here by divine appointment. And my prayer is that today would be the day of salvation, that you would not leave here 50% sure, 90% sure, 20% sure, not sure whether you're going to heaven or not. 
It says in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Saved from what? From hellfire. Saved from separation from Almighty God. The Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you. He'll make you a new creation. You'll never be alone ever again. He'll walk with you. He'll he'll mold you more into the image of his son. You'll be justified just as if you've never sinned. And you'll continue to grow in your relationship with him until the day that you spend eternity with him in heaven. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to the Lord. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father in heaven. The Lord brought you here for today. And here's your opportunity to surrender your life to him, to to be born again, and to know that he will adopt you into his family, that he will have the promise of eternal life, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If it's your desire to do that right now, I want to pray with you. Here's what I want you to do so I can pray with you. Confess him before men just by raising your hand right where you are. Say, you know what? I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to have the promise of eternal life. Anybody here at all? Anybody? Let today be the day of salvation. Don't leave here without him. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on eternity. Help us to love people the way you love them. We thank you, Lord. Help us to recognize the lie by knowing the truth. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said...